Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. For Halloween, October 31st, how is everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, at ETOF21 Sports on TikTok, and at ETOF21 Sports underscore on Instagram. God, I can't believe it's Halloween. It seems like just a couple years ago, the amount of ruckus I would char I would happen on Halloween back in college. Those were the best. I mean, you had these women dressing in basically nothing. And it would I, I don't mean to sound like a dirtball is great. But fortunately now I'm I'm an old man now. Got a girlfriend. So those days are long behind me where I live. I'm not gonna get any trick-or-treaters. And even if I did I mean, it would be minuscule, but with the COVID-19, I won't get anything. So Halloween for me is just going to be sitting back, watching some football, hopefully cashing some tickets, doing a little horse racing. We have a nice little nice little day of sports. Not not the best college football card, but me and my guys, we are deep. we got some games going on right now. And, of course, anyone that knows me knows I am Sparty for life, and we have the Michigan State-Michigan game going on right now. Sorry, I am a little late. Had some stuff come up this morning. So the production of this is a little bit behind. Also, I have some memberships that are open. I have a, I always have people DMing me, asking me part of a team. I have a have one or two available. So if you guys are interested in a membership, you know, reach out and we can get something going. Anyway, the one some of the big news of the week. Dodgers won the World Series. You know, congratulations to the Dodgers, all their fans. A team winning a championship, and one of my teams hasn't won a championship, Jesus Christ, <laughs> it seems like forever. And the joy that that happens, I, I I forget how it feels. And congratulations to you guys. Um, the big thing, though, in the game six was Rays manager Kevin Cash took out starting pitcher Blake Snell, who is cruising in the fifth inning. They brought in Anderson after he gave up a hit. Anderson, of course, gives up two runs. The energy, the momentum, everything in the game flipped. Now, there's been a lot of talk on social media. These guys are saying, you should have kept him in because of this. You should have kept him in, took him out because of this. Here's my take on it. A, when you do analysis, you have to be willing to look at everything. You can't just look at one point and shove your narrative down your throat. Case in point. Now, everyone that knows me knows when I watch sports, I don't like to have the, the sound on. I like to watch it, make my own opinion, see what's going on, go from there. I hate listening to Colin commentators because they push their own narrative down your throat and to just distort what you're thinking you're watching. Case in point, last night, Maryland played Minnesota. There was way too much to a talk for me during that game. I understand his brother is on Minnesota, but that does nothing with the Minnesota-Maryland game. So that announcer was pushing down his throat to a, and why is going to be good, which he could be. I've said he could be good, but he's got some flaws he's got to attest to, and no one seems to talk about his flaws. And that's the same thing about this thing. Now, you can look at the analytics. You can look at he should have cut him in before this. Anybody that's good with data can take a data point and can prove it. I'm good with numbers. You give me time, I will find a number that showed me A, he should have stayed in, B, he should have stayed out. That's just the way it is. 
And what baseball is in the danger of doing is becoming too spreadsheet-oriented. What do I mean by that? Well, the spreadsheet says to do this. I have to do this. If that's the case, why not have just computers manage? The human element is always going to be there no matter what in sports. And with how Blake Snell was cruising, I definitely would have kept him in. I understand that it's his third time through. I understand his ERA is significantly higher third time through than order. I understand that he didn't pitch enough innings to qualify for the Cy Young Award. I understand all that stuff. But I also understand, looking at the Dodgers, when he went out, the Dodgers' energy changed. Their belief that they could win changed. So I would have kept him in. I would have rolled the dice. I would have kept him in. And to the people that are saying, hey, you know, the Ray, this is what the Rays do. The Rays take people out in the fifth inning. This is what they do. My counter argument to that is why didn't Cash take out Glasgow then in the fifth inning of the first game? I mean, that to me, that was one of the bigger mysteries. Because Gasco only has four pitches. He's relying on the fastball too much. And the Dodgers were zoning in and starting to hit the ball and put the ball on the field in that fourth inning. Anyone could tell there was a big inning coming on for that Dodgers in that fifth. I actually have a bigger issue with Cash leaving Gaskow in in the first inning than him taking out Schnell in the fifth. And I mean, it's it's kind of a mute point because always in, fo- always in, in sports, it's going to be, hey, did my argument win or lose? If my argument won or lost, that's what is going to be the outcome. So if he would have closed the game, hey, all good in the hood. We're popping champagne. We had a game seven. But since it didn't work out, that's what everyone is going to talk about. So now let's shift our attention to the Thursday night game. And oh my God, talk about a Thursday night game that had so much potential to be an offensive juggernaut, but turned out to just to be a sloppy football game between two teams that that are bad. That are bad. The Falcons won 25-17. I'm not going to lie. As soon as the Falcons missed that extra point, Who thought that the Falcons were going to blow that game? That was such a Falcons move. And the Falcons right now are just getting in their own way. That game should have been over. Extra point should have been made. Nine-point game. Game set match. Game is over. But of course he misses it. And the thing is, culture is a big thing. Once a team gets in the habit of doing something, breaking that habit is insanely hard. So hopefully with this win, the Falcons will gain some momentum and start building the culture and the habit of winning. Their roster, defensively, especially in the back, they are very weak. Offensively, they have enough weapons, though. Their their line isn't a top-tier line, but it's not a bottom-tier line. It's the middle-of-the-range line. Matt Ryan's a veteran quarterback. They have weapons on the outside. Hayden Hurst, the tight end. Gurley and Hill as the running backs. They have weapons, and they should be competent enough to compete, at least be like 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven battling for that last wild card. They should at least be competent enough to do that. But because of the lost games, that just gets like a, a waterfall effect. I do think they're starting to play better, though. But moving forward, they're definitely going to have to be putting up more points in order to compete with the better teams because the defense is so bad. In terms of the Panthers, this is kind of what I thought the Panthers were going to be 
an offense that didn't put up much and a defense that would compete hard. Unfortunately, I had to listen to the play-by-play because I was watching the game with the girlfriend, and the girlfriend needs to have the play-by-play on or she can't watch. And she thinks it's very weird how I don't like it on. But anyway, moving forward, Troy Aikman kept on saying what a great hire Matt Rule is. Matt Rule is basically a used car salesman. He's just getting the job, and then once he gets the job, he's going to move on. Everyone knows that he's not going to be a lifer in Carolina. He is definitely going to be moving on to the next job up in the NFL. This is just a hiccup along the road for him. Teddy Bridgewater is what he is. Guys, there is a reason why Teddy had such low grades coming in the NFL. Everyone got so high on two gloves, Teddy. He's a mar- He's a bottom-tier starting quarterback. This Carolina team is a 5-1 team at most. Defensively, they have a lot of young pieces. Chin starting to play better. Defensive line starting to play better. But offensively, offensive line's a wreck. Doesn't matter who's running the ball. Have it be... Curtis Samuel, for whatever reason, Mike Davis or CMC, what he's done, that offensive line is going to struggle to open up some holes and consistently create lanes for the running backs. I will say Robbie Anderson is playing better, though. He's playing way better than I expected. But for them to only put up 17 points against that Falcons offense, and yes, I know it was in rainy weather, that's a very poor job for them. Future-wise for the teams, if I'm the Falcons, like I said, I got to get a new coach. I got to have someone come in there, build the winning culture, get stuff going the right way. Who would be a good candidate? They have a lot of offensive weapons. No one's saying Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy could be interesting. A lot of people have Eric Bieniemy tied going to the Texans. Personally, if I'm Bieniemy, Falcons' job could be a little bit more entertaining because they do have more cap space. Not 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 necessarily more cap space. I'm going to say a better cap structure. And they do have draft picks. Texans, their cap space is awful. Their draft capital is minimal. I think you're really going to find a a hard co- a, a coach uh, willing to go there. In terms of Matt Ryan, it I hate to say it because he he is a good guy. He's one of my better quarter one of the quarterbacks I like. But the window for him to win in the ATL is done. You need to trade him while you can and get whatever draft capital you can for him. Same thing with Julio Jones. Those two meant a lot for Atlanta. They should have won that ring back when they were up 28-3, to but the time is now definitely to move on from those two and just accumulate as many pieces and draft picks as you can and just start building that team over again because, unfortunately, at the time has come, defense is a train wreck. In terms of the Panthers, you're going in the right direction. Next draft, you're definitely going to have to address what the long-term solution is for quarterback. If you do have one of the top picks, are you going to take take fields? You definitely are in the running for Lawrence, but you could be in the running for fields or that kid from North Dakota State, Lentz. Or you could definitely build that offensive line. Personally, I would build the offensive line because I always feel you need to build from the inside out. And I'm really not that big of a fan of the contract they give to Christian McCaffrey. I think that money could be best served going somewhere else moving forward. Those are my thoughts of the Thursday night game and kind of where I think every team is. Now let's jump into the last thing we're going to talk about today. It's going to, like I said, it's going to be a quick podcast. Wham, bam. Thank you, man. Today, just touching on a couple of quick things that happened. Mike D'Antonio agreed to be an assistant for the new for the Brooklyn Nets. That was an interesting move. I really thought he 
should have gone to Philly, but Philly went with Doc Rivers. Now, why is it an interesting move? So Nash is building a staff that had that seven seconds of fun when he was at the Suns. So he brought in Amari Stoudemire used to play with. D'Antoni was a coach there. Now, I will give D'Antoni credit. D'Antoni is involved from the fast pace of tempo, seven seconds, to more iso ball, ball isolation. So having that offensive mind come in that's going to be able to help Nash and help game scheme, that's going to be very big for him. That's going to be big for Nash. Also, that team, that team's got some egos with Durant and Kyrie, some guys that can be difficult. Now, now remember, in Durant's book, Durant was upset. Mo fucking Spates was getting more love from the crowd in Oracle than he was. Mo fucking Spakes was getting more love, and he was fucking upset. Let that sit in for a second about how insecure Kevin motherfucking Durant is. And you got Kyrie with his flat world crap and all that stuff he does. Don't get me wrong. I do think he was right with the social injustice not playing. I do believe that that was right. I, I believe he was right with that. But as it was shown in Boston and in Cleveland, he could be a little hard to deal with. The one thing that D'Antoni does that I really think everyone's forgetting about is he can manage egos. And he showed that with his work with Russ and Harden last last year in Houston and the year two and three years ago with Paul and Harden, who are two big ego guys. One of the things in sports that a lot of times people don't understand is when you are a coach, manager, or whatnot, you have to be able to manage the egos and control the room. And the smaller the locker room, the more important it is you're able to do stuff with those egos. So D'Antoni being in there and being able to manage Durant and manage Irving is huge for Nash. And Nash is, I'll I'll give Nash credit. If you're going to be a first-year coach, you want to build a staff of quality assistants around you. And he got Mike D'Antoni, who in my opinion, he should be a coach in the league. He has a coach in the league who's who's proven he's going to adjust and can succeed in the NBA on his staff to lean on. And they're friends, and he'll teach them. That is huge for him. That's a big win for Steven Nash. So Nash is a competitive guy. He wants to be the best. Brooklyn is going to be an interesting team. Um, Do I think they can win it all? I don't know. I have to see kind of what materializes with the East. What does Milwaukee do with Giannis? Are they going to add Victor Oladipo, Chris Paul, whoever? NBA is definitely interesting. And also, speaking of the NBA, and this was in the five things, for those that don't follow me every morning, I do the five things from yesterday where I post like five quick thoughts I have in the sporting world. Did anyone in that, I said how the NBA could lose $1 billion dollars. Because the NBA's thought process is if they have games go on in the summer, they're going to lose out on revenue because people are not there. Or do I got vacations, don't want to go to a game, whatever. Here's my thing, and this is the way I look at it. If you're the NBA, wouldn't you want to compete against baseball instead of competing against the NFL? But if they, I guess if they start in the summer, they really want to be competing in the NFL. I mean, 
I don't know what which way would be better because also you have to remember they have the Olympics and a lot of those guys in the NBA you play a full season Olympics and come back for a season that's going to start on time. That's a lot of basketball in a short amount of time and can be tough for for those NBA players. So that's something to keep an eye out on. Well, that is it. Quick short podcast today. As I said, my name is Eric. You can find my work at etalk 21 Sports on Twitter, TikTok, and at etalk 21 Sports underscore on Instagram. Check out my website, etalk21sports.com, where I have my fantasy rank- rankings for a week. I did a blog post yesterday about hope for the Lions fans this week. Guys, I do have some memberships available if you're interested in being part of the team. DM me, we can start that process. Part of being a member, you get your plays sent to you with the unit distribution. And on Sunday, you also get a nice little DFS breakdown where the main slate of games, I tell you who I'm going to be building my lineups around for my cash games and the pool of players I will be using to build a roster. And while we're speaking of DFS, let me just say something. You guys don't want to be chasing the millionaire maker in DFS. Cash games are the best. And when it's a cash game, one lineup. I'm not going to be doing a, a double up with where you can enter 20 lineups where I have one lineup and dude has 20. No, fuck that shit. One-on-one, mano-a-mano, my best lineup against your best lineup. Let's do at it. That's how you build money in DFS, and that's what I do. Have a great day. Have a good Halloween. Stay safe. Wear your masks. And I will be back on Monday with my Reaction Monday episode.